0: Techniques for open repair of aortic aneurysms have remained remarkably steady over the past several decades. But with the trend towards minimally invasive procedures sweeping across medicine, how are advancing techniques in endovascular repair of aortic aneurysms enhancing the standard of care? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Marin, Professor and Chair of Surgery at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York City and founder of Mount Sinai Hospital's Endovascular Surgery Program. Welcome, Dr. Marin.
1: Thank you very much for having me today.
0: We are discussing endovascular repair of aortic aneurysms. Dr. Marin, what exactly is endovascular repair of aneurysms?
1: Well, endovascular repair can be thought of in vascular surgery in a similar way that laparoscopy or keyhole surgery has been considered in general surgery procedures. It's a new and conceptually different way of approaching vascular disease, and in the case of aortic aneurysms, a completely different way of treating aortic aneurysms with a bent toward creating a minimally invasive or a less invasive repair.
0: Does that mean that you don't open the abdomen?
1: As a concept, we don't open the abdomen, and more importantly, the procedures can be done under local or epidural anesthesia.
0: But what are the advantages of this?
1: The advantages of endovascular repair of aortic aneurysms would be those that you'd expect in the sense of shorter hospital stays, less pain, discomfort, and a more rapid return to normal function after the endovascular operation has been completed.
0: Now, how long has this been going on?
1: Well, the first procedure for endovascular repair of an abdominal aortic aneurysm was performed in 1990 by a Dr. Juan Perotti, an Argentinian vascular surgeon. I became aware of his work in 1992, and through a fortuitous set of events, was able to work with Dr. Parodi, bring him to the United States, and together with him I performed the first aortic aneurysm repair endovascularly in the United States.
0: Now how do these endovascular repairs compare to traditional approaches through the abdomen?
1: When we do a traditional open repair of an aortic aneurysm, the abdomen is opened after the patient has been administered a general anesthetic, and then the aorta is approached directly, Once it's directly visualized, clamps are placed proximally and distally on the aorta or the iliac arteries, and then the aorta is opened and a new artificial graft is sutured into the internal surface of the existing aorta above and below the aneurysm. When we approach these procedures endovascularly, the concept is similar, but the technique is radically different. How's that? What we do in endovascular repair is we make two small incisions in the groin and expose the femoral arteries.
0: Is this under local anesthesia or general or with sedation?
1: We do the procedure under local or epidural anesthesia. We find that the epidural approach makes the patient infinitely more comfortable, so I tend to prefer that.
0: And is this done in the operating room or in the radiology suite?
1: It can be done in either place. The importance is that it has to be a strictly sterile environment, much like what most operating rooms are like, and it needs to have good quality fluoroscopic equipment to facilitate the insertion.
0: And so what do you do next?
1: So once the femoral arteries are visualized, we then make a small puncture and pass a guide wire into the artery and up into the thoracic aorta. From that position, we then can insert the endovascular graft which is compressed down into a small delivery catheter, usually the size of a pencil, and then insert that over the wire, advance it up to the area of the renal arteries, and then, using fluoroscopic imaging and angiography, position it precisely at the level of the renal artery.
0: How does it stay in place?
1: Once that position has been selected and confirmed, and the device is released from its delivery catheter, It compresses itself into the aortic wall at the site of implantation. At this compressive site, it forms a friction seal with the aorta, embedding itself into the soft outer layer of the artery, and with some devices, it even has hooks or small barbs on the surface to penetrate deeper into the arterial wall, simulating what a suture would be like in conventional surgery.
0: Does this mean once you place it, you can't move it?
1: Indeed, once the device has been deployed, it cannot be retracted, removed, or changed. So it's essential that precise positioning be confirmed and confirmed yet again before it's finally deployed and released. And
0: what's the success rate of these?
1: The success rate, as with all new procedures, has been steadily increasing since the first procedures done in the early 1990s to the present day. This is primarily because the operators have learned to do the procedures with more diligence and effectiveness, and the devices themselves have improved dramatically over the past 10 to 12 years.
0: And how long, roughly, does it take on average to do this procedure?
1: The procedures vary in time depending on the anatomy of the patient and some of the complexities of delivering the device to its final position. It can range anywhere between one hour and and four hours to complete one of these primary procedures.
0: If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on REACH MD XM157. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Michael Marin, professor and chair of surgery at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York City and founder of Mount Sinai Hospital's endovascular surgery program. We are discussing endovascular repair of aortic aneurysms. Dr. Marin, who do you decide should get an endovascular repair and who should get an open repair?
1: Well, that's a very good question, Dr. Hill, since it really speaks to the way medicine has changed dramatically over the past 10 to 15 years. Frequently, the decisions are made before the patients even come into the office. They've done their research, they've discussed the matter with multiple physicians, and they've consulted perhaps the primary resource, which is the internet, to understand a tremendous about about how aortic aneurysms form and what the options for therapy are. So what I do is I review the anatomic structure of their aneurysm as it is revealed by CAT scan and angiographic data, and then I make a recommendation to the patient on what I believe would be the safest, effective, and most durable repair.
0: Are there any contraindications to this approach?
1: Yes. In a very rare situations, patients can be allergic to the materials that the device is constructed of, and that includes a nickel-titanium alloy called nitinol, and in, of course, very rare situations, polyester or dacron, which form the outer shell in many of the devices, may also give an allergic reaction. And if the patients have known allergies to any of these materials, they would not be candidates.
0: Can you use these for ruptured or leaking aneurysms?
1: Indeed, we can, and that's perhaps one of the most exciting areas for endovascular repair of aortic aneurysms. The mortality rate from conventional surgery in patients who have already ruptured their aneurysm is very high. A lot of the death occurs before the patients reach the hospital, but many patients, even after reaching the hospital and having the correct diagnosis made, will succumb to their ruptured aneurysms as a product of the postoperative or intraoperative therapies.
0: Now, what if the aneurysm extends proximally to involve the renal arteries or distally to involve the iliac arteries?
1: A very good point. Getting back to our original statement about contraindications, if the patient has a pararenal aneurysm, in other words, when the aneurysm is not just localized to that segment of the aorta below the renal arteries, that would be a relative contraindication for treatment with endovascular grafting. Since you need a suitable segment below the renal arteries to permanently and durably fix the graft to the artery wall. When the iliac arteries are involved, which occurs in between 20 and 30 percent of patients with aortic aneurysms, then there are several auxiliary procedures that we can do to allow us to still do an endovascular repair.
0: What are those?
1: These would include embolizing or sealing off the internal iliac arteries prior to grafting, which will permit us to extend the graft down to the external iliac artery, which is almost always preserved and spared from the development of iliac aneurysm disease. In addition, in some instances, we may choose to do a small localized bypass from the external iliac artery to the internal iliac artery, allowing us to preserve the circulation to that pelvic structure and extend the graft down to the newly formed external iliac landing zone.
0: Now, what are the complications of this approach?
1: Endovascular repair has a number of unique complications which are not seen with open repair. These include the potential for embolization of thrombus by the catheter and wire materials that are inserted into the aorta. This risk occurs very infrequently, fortunately, despite the concern that we had early on that this may be a more important or problematic complication. Other complications include wear and tear on the grafts, particularly in early generation devices before we understood the forces exerted upon them, the grafts could wear out after a number of years of use inside of the body. Finally, other complications that we see with all surgeries must also be considered and discuss with the patient, which include the possibility for bleeding, infection, and other problems associated with the pre-existing comorbid illnesses that many of these patients have.
0: In my field of general surgery, it is not infrequent that we have to convert a patient from a laparoscopic approach to an open approach. Is that similar in vascular surgery where you need to convert an endovascular approach to an open approach?
1: In the beginning, when we began this procedure, most of the physicians who were involved with the techniques were new at it, and the devices were new, so the risks were greater and the need for conversion was much higher. As experience level has increased from the physician's side and the devices have become much more facile to use, the risk and possibilities of conversion have decreased significantly. In addition... We spend a tremendous amount of time preoperatively planning the procedures using a variety of sophisticated imaging techniques, from helical or spiral CT scanning with three-dimensional reconstructions to very specific angiograms, which have marker catheters for measuring precise lengths, all of which provide data for preoperative planning that markedly reduces the chance that you'll start the procedure and not be able to successfully complete it, at the vascular surgeon.
0: I want to thank our guest, Dr. Michael Maron. We have been discussing endovascular repair of aortic aneurysms. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com. Featuring on demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll free at 888 MDXM 157. And thank you for listening.